What's going on, everybody? Hope to the family. Assalamu alaikum to my brothers. Um, blessings and peace to all my Christians out there. Spirituality, vibrations to all my oneness people out there. All the correct terminology. What's going on, everybody? Um, thank everybody for tuning in to my unapologetic perspective, where we're here to give our perspective about the history and the things regarding African American people. Um, unapologetically in our own way. We'd like to thank everybody for tuning in to the past few episodes. Um, I apologize on the last episode for a little bit of audio um, difficulties. We've been struggling here for, for about 30 minutes trying to get the audio <laughs> right. But we're here and we're here to give you more information and uh, more, um, more perspective um, in our own way. Um, joined again by my co-host, my father, Jerome Bell. How are yeah. you, sir? Yeah. Uh, so one of the things that we want is for people that watch this to give us some feedback. Give us your perspective. Give us some of your thoughts of what you think. It don't even have to be in agreement with us. You know, we just want people to think. So for the people watching, um, you know, we don't want just that was good or we love that. We kind of want some some feedback. We want conversation. Um, is the most important thing to um, grasp some of these things that are going on in the world. Um, this episode is brought to you by Her Protection, which is here to give you a fighting chance in dangerous and harmful situations, giving you protection, power, peace of mind. Our self-defense keychain are stylish and loaded with pepper spray, pepper spray, window breaker, taser, and more. Get protected with her protection. And you can follow them on Facebook at her had um her hyphen protection co period or follow the owner on Facebook at Chasky Cheatwood. So again, her protection is a keychain that you can get that has you know um pepper spray, a window breaker, and a taser on there. So especially for our women out there, we want you guys to be protected. There's some sick individuals in this world. So please follow them on Facebook, her hyphen protection CO period. Um, great and beautiful entrepreneurship that we're seeing. Uh, so one of the things that we're talking about today is we want to talk about the importance of black women. Um, Part of the reason why I want to talk about this pops is because of the backlash that black women have been getting recently due to the grandness of the things that happened on there. And I believe that it's our due diligence to kind of not lean into that because we could talk about that. Right, that's right. But we kind of want to show a different perspective of the women who maybe don't act like that or right. are powerful in their own way. And um, I have a quote here by Dr. Frances Cress Wesley, uh, rest in peace. And she said, you know, we are the only people on this entire planet who have been taught the same praise or demean. I'm a B word. I'm a hoe. I'm a gangster. I'm a thug. I'm a dog. If you can train people to demean and degrade themselves, you can oppress them forever. You can even program them to kill themselves and they won't even understand what happened. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about, because we see the things that are going on with our black women, you know, the black woman is probably the most abused um, 
person on this planet. That's right. um, we see the things that's happening with Breonna Taylor. Um, we just see the disrespect, not just from white people. We see the disrespect from black men towards our black um, women. So one of the things that we want to do is um, kind of bring that into perspective. Now, we can't speak for women. Of course, we would never try to do that. But we want to try to bring some praise to our African-American sisters, um, especially. Um, and a lot of this applies to women in general, but we kind of want to highlight our African American women. Um, because for me personally, dad, um, I know you know this, that I was raised around nothing but powerful women. That's right. No disrespect to the uncles in my life. No disrespect to the men in my life. Uh, they played their part. But when you talk about strength, when you talk about, you know, power that comes from the women in my life, even going to spend time with you, you know, being around grandmother, being around great grandmother, being around um, Aunt Talma, mm-hmm. being around um, Aunt Jean. That's right. Being around, you know, um, my grandmother on my that's married to that was married to my grandfather, um, Grandma Ann. Being around so many powerful women at home, um, while my mom wasn't there, my aunt held the house down, even though she was only a couple of years older than me. That's right. Um, my aunt, you know, she held it down. Uh, we see that a lot in the African American community where, you know, the aunts, the mothers, the grandmothers, those are the ones that That's are right. the glue, not only to the family, they're the glue right. to, to the world. And, and, and typically that happens because the black male is usually absent. Right. However, in you guys' case, you know, in Shaquan's case, um, black males were present. Mm-hmm. They, we were there. But the women are the ones that are in the forefront. Right. And and, and rightly so. Um, you know, my mom was probably five foot two in her Sunday's best, you know. But at the same time, when it came time to get with you, right. I mean, she would get with you there. And it didn't matter what age you were or how tall you were, because you guys were taller than her and you were probably, you know, eight, nine years old. Mm-hmm. You know, but she had no problem getting with you. Mm-hmm. And and what I mean by that is not necessarily with a belt, because she didn't mind doing that, mm-hmm. but in conversation giving you some information on what she expected you to do and why. Mm-hmm. My mom was big on giving you the whys right. um, and educating us on how black men should conduct themselves, mm-hmm. but also and how we're supposed to treat women. Now, I'll be the first to admit, we didn't always listen, especially when it came to how to treat women. Mm-hmm. Um, and now with a 51-year-old male, I can tell you that the oppressed, the oppressed people have became the oppressors in a lot of situations. Right. We were oppressed uh, for so many years by white America, and we are now oppressing ourselves. Right. Mainly black women. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it's important for black women to understand that although this was a tort behavior, it's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. It's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. And the only way to change that is to get black women to understand their value. And sometimes I think understanding your place in history can give you that value. Right. So, and, and again, when we talk about just history alone, coming from our African-American sisters, they are probably one of the most important part of any organization, any movement, any uh, rebellion, any type of thing that happened. There was always female, especially black female, involved. That's right. Um, but even before the black man is involved, um, even before the white woman is involved, you see a black woman involved in so many things as we've talked about on the past few episodes when you look at, um, Harriet Tubman. That's right. Um, 
in the Civil War, when we look at the way that they conduct themselves, when we look, when we just talked about activism, That's you right. know, especially in the education. So I want to start with the education from what we picked up off last week is, of course, the African-American woman, as you said, was, you know, such a caring heart that she wanted to be an educator. That's right. That, that, that's that's part of her nature. That's right. And one thing we know as African Americans, especially as men, is um, the Elijah Muhammad taught this was the the woman is the first teacher of the child. Absolutely. So when we look at just in the household, the things that the the child learns early on comes from that nurturing, comes from that love, that's comes right. from that support and caring. Of the woman, that's right. and outside of the household, especially for black women, you see them most of the time being the babysitters. You see them most of the time being the women at the daycare. A lot of black people won't even take their kids to the daycare unless it's that one black female right. that that can be able to hold stuff down. And we see this um, through early childhood development. Um, most most um, black women like to sort they salt into you know pre-k kindergarten first grade second grade mm-hmm. they like to get out kids early on again because the the even um women you don't see a lot of males in that educational market that, that's right in, in early childhood they, they tell you they ain't got the patience for it they don't have the patience right. or that level of care that you get from a woman right uh, also you, we talked about it before when it came to sports um uh, with recreational sports all the way up to high school mm-hmm. when i used to coach basketball I used to, it was a bunch of mothers at those basketball games. Now, I applaud the fact that now when I go, it's a lot of fathers there now. Right. But back in the, back in the early 90s, the late 90s, early 2000s, it was mostly mothers that were bringing those kids to those events. Um, and they were, like I said, at the forefront of those learning experiences, those early learning experiences mm-hmm. that black, black kids would get. Right. And, and if you look inside the black, the black home, um, one of the, the main teaching concepts is doing your your duty, your due right. diligence. Um, in the African American community, we don't call it chores. That's right. You, there's no chore. You do what's asked of you because that's, right. that's your contribution to the house. Absolutely. There is responsibility. No, yeah, and there's no and there's no allowance that comes with it. No, you know, no. I'm gonna reward you for doing what I told you. Right. So already one of the first things that you learn as an African American child is that you're not entitled to anything. That's you right. know, you sleep here, you eat here, so you, it's your duty, your responsibility to clean up after yourself, to clean the house. Um, I know growing up, um, mom wanted the house clean by the time she got home. And she, her basic thing was, I shouldn't have to go to work and work hard and come home and work again while y'all just sitting here, you know, living your lives. That's, that's right. You know, so. And, and putting all the stuff under the bed in the closet wasn't good at cleaning up either. <laughs> right, so we we see that early on growing up, um, especially in the black household, that you know, um, we're, we're taught at a very young age, and this has nothing to do with education. Um, most black women, um, even ones that are not educated, they still have a that woman intuition. That's right. They still have that that presence that they 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 can tell you when something ain't right. They That's can right. tell you when. Um, how to behave and how to conduct yourself because that's part of being an African-American woman. That's right. So we, we talk about this and I'm saying this specifically because I didn't understand it at one time, but the African-American woman, the main thing that she has to teach her child that a white woman doesn't have to teach their child is to be careful. 
Now, being careful is not going out there looking both ways when you cross the street. That's, right. That's not being careful to the African American. It is careful, but we have to come from a different perspective, which That's is right. watch who you are around. Watch who you hang around. Watch the things that you do. Watch the watch what you're wearing and who you're around when you're wearing it. As we've seen with the Trayvon Martin wearing the hoodie situation. If you're in the mall, a lot of people don't say they're telling kids not to roam the mall because soon as something comes up stolen, you're, you're the first blame. person they're going to blame. That's right. These are the type of things that black women have to explain to their kids early on. Early on. Early on. So even when you're going to school, you know, a black mother has to tell her child, everybody ain't going to like you. You're going to come across some comments that that's going to be, you know, racist or prejudiced against you. And a lot of people don't have to have those conversations, but a black woman does have those conversations. Absolutely. So for my mom, you know, one of the things that I talk about it in my book until, um, until I die is the scariest thing for a black mom is getting that phone call in the middle of the night because you automatically think it's about your African American son. That something's he happening or is in jail. jail. Right. That's right. So, you know, having curfew at a younger age, I didn't understand it. But now as an adult, I understand it because of the way that the African-American is um, presented in this world and how much trouble he can get in whenever the woman is not present. That's right. And even when the woman is present, it still can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you're right that that mother's intuition was huge because most of the time, your mother would know what you've done before you before even get you home. Right. So when we look at, you know, black women, number one, we're talking about the educational side. We talked about this last week was, of course, that black educators have high expectations out of black students, which is something that is, is very, very necessary um, in our educational system. This is why we need not just um not just more educators, we need more African-American educators with those type of hearts. But um, not just early on in school, but we need more African-American women in the high school level that can still give that that care, that love um, and, and for the education. And, and another thing um, when it comes to African-American women is they're our healers. They're, right. they're, they're, they're the world's healers. Um, you know, a black woman's heart is, is her medicine. And, you know, black women have taken care of White children, they're taking care of their own children. That's right. They're taking care of white men. That's um, right. You go back to slavery, they take care of black men today. Some adults that they take That's care right. of like their kids. So, you know, they're, they're always been the, the healers of, of, of the world. And even if you look at um, job related, most women, black women go into jobs of either education or nursing. That's right. Those are one of the main two fields that they, that they go into. Um, why do you think that that is? Well, it, it's simple because mothers are truly the mothers of civilization. Right. So w- without a woman, we wouldn't be it. Right. And so obviously they are very important to civilization because mm-hmm. without them, it would not exist. Uh, but let's let's go back for a second. Let's okay. go back to guy we talked about last week, Horace Mann. Okay. Horace Mann is the the mastermind behind. Uh, in, in, in part of the educational system we now have right now in building that structure of the educational system. But part of what Horace Mann did was say that women should not only be educated because he believed that an educated woman had value in society, mm-hmm. but also that educators should be uh, uh, women. 
Right. So he wanted more women to be teachers. Right. So he wanted them to be educated in the homes, but he also felt like that they could be teachers and that they would be more valuable than men. Because at that time, we're talking about the mid 1800s, there weren't any women teachers. Mm -hmm. So he wanted to create that avenue of having women as teachers. Also, for black women, black women have been left out of movements for so long. Mm -hmm. So we go back to 1896. Uh, is when black men was actually given the right to vote. And a lot of people don't know this, so I, I want you to Google whatever you need to do. But in 1896 was when we actually had the right, right to vote. Right. And white women said, wait a minute, you're going to let black men vote before white women? Mm -hmm. So obviously in the 1920s is when they they passed, the, uh, uh, amended the Constitution to allow white women to vote. Mm -hmm. So technically, black men had the ability to vote before white women. Right. But guess who was left out? Black women. Black women were, were left out. Um, however, what changed that was, as white women got their rights to vote, they still weren't treated differently. So they weren't getting equal pay. They weren't getting some of the jobs that men were getting. And at the same time, guess who was coming to the forefront? Black women. Black women. Black women. So white women, Susie B. Anthony, mm -hmm. we'll go ahead and throw her name out there, decided that, now I'm not going to say that she was against slavery or for slavery, but she's considered an anti-slavery. Mm -hmm. She's considered an abolished. Right. So obviously she got with black women and said, hey, we want to fight for your cause right. as well. Because it was a joint venture. Obviously, white women was going to benefit from anything that black women could help them achieve. Yeah. So it was a mutual agreement. We're going to benefit. You're going to benefit. Women, you're going to unite, and we're going to do some things. Mm -hmm. I want people to keep in mind. I want to get. I want to get the time span correct too, because I think this is important. When we talk about the NAACP, mm -hmm. I want to talk about something that happened prior to the NAACP. There was another organization. That was started because I, Ida B. Wells, I believe, was one of the co-founders of the uh, NAACP. Um, and prior to that, there was another organization. And I, I'm going I'm I'm to find it in a second. I'll take your time, brother. Uh, I'm going to find because I think this is important. Mary Church Terrell, one of the first females to earn a college degree, mm -hmm. and was one of the co-founders of an organization called. National Association of Colored Women. Right. In 1896, right? Mm -hmm. Ida B. Wells, along with some other co-founders, didn't find the, didn't create the NAACP until 1913. Yeah. So just to let you know, before there was a movement to help advance black people, there was a movement to help advance black women right. first. Right. So I think that's critical for every black woman to understand that a lot of what you saw in the civil rights movement started with women. Right. And, I, and when you talk about activism, there is no way to talk about activism while leaving the black woman out. Even if you look at the marches today, we'll mm -hmm. start there. We'll start there. We'll go back. That's right. So if you look at the marches today, most of the marches are led by black women. That's right. Most of the, when you see them at the forefront, they're led by black women. And when we begin to look at um, the the success of our people of um, 
Stacey Abrams, of Kamala Harris. Mm -hmm. When we look at the success, we owe it to go back to, you know, the beginning of um, people like um, Sojourner Truth. That's right. When we we look at her uh, standing in front of, you know, people saying, ain't I a woman? That's right. If you want to go back and look at that, when you look at a Maria Stewart, who was just a, a, a maid to a clergyman, and became one of the first African Americans to speak to, you know, an all white audience. Phyllis Wheatley. Phyllis Wheatley was not only one of the most educated black women in the 1700s, mm-hmm. she was one of the most educated people in the world. Right. Not just America, but in the world. Right. She actually traveled to foreign countries. Her her slave owner mm-hmm. would take her to other countries because she was so educated, she learned so quickly. That he would take her to France, he would take her to Britain, mm-hmm. and she was viewed as one of the most educated people in the world, right? In the in the 1700s, 1700s, and we, we we look at you know the civil rights movement. Um, I know they 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 pan the light on Dr. King a lot, but when we look at uh, Fannie Lou, that's right. We look at how monumental she was, and you know helped um, the uh, Voting Rights Act to get passed. That's right. Um, when we look at, of course, Ida B. Wells. Ida B. Wells was in itself writing about the the lynches that was going on. Absolutely. And, um, she was actually carrying a gun around with her because she expected to be killed for it. That's right. So when you look at the the people like that, of course, we have our um, Rosa Parks is in the NAACP. That's right. Of course, we have our Asada Shakur's and Angela Davis out of um, the Black Panther Party. Um, when you begin to look at the musicians, now, now that is the, the key one right there is because one of the things that, that helped the black movement was black entertainers that perform for white audiences. When we look at a Billie Holiday with right. her song Strange Fruits. That's right. When we looked at a uh, Nina Simone and her song about um, protesting. Mississippi Goddamn. Mississippi Goddamn. So when we look at those individuals, uh, how black women was able to um, push the movement forward. It shouldn't surprise you when you see a Stacey Abrams. That's right. But people are so surprised by it because a lot of people don't know history. Exactly. And, and, and the only thing you know about history is the things that African Americans do. Or you understand history by Rosa Parks just that's right. us. No. There are people doing things behind the scenes. And that's the thing about a woman. A woman ain't got a problem. Ain't got to be in the forefront. Yeah. Ain't they ain't got, got a problem with doing things behind the scenes. That's right. And, and allow other people to get credit for it because Again, going back to their importance, number one, the number one thing that they are, they're the biggest supporters of black men. That's right. right. That's right. So when we look at, you know, um, just the support system of the black woman, again, you talked about it when you go to the, the sports. Now, if you go to a, a sports game, you'll see the fathers at the sports That's game right. and you'll see them take credit for the kid. That's right. But practice, the, yeah, yeah, practice, practice credit, <laughs> you go to the practice, you go. <laughs> Helping them with their homework while get, getting dinner ready, getting them to school. When you talk about the 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 legwork that's right. that goes into a child, right. you're talking about the mother. Absolutely. You're talking about the the support system. Even if you look at politics again, one of the main supporter systems that America didn't understand recently was Michelle Obama. That's right. So reading the movie, uh, reading the uh, not, book of Bacardi. Um, when she began to give speeches during Obama's campaign, a lot of people didn't take right. her well. That's right. Because she was the woman that 
they felt shouldn't have been speaking. That's right. Like, but she was like, I'm here to help my husband. That's I'm right. I'm here to do my part. And, and I'm here to help you. Yeah, you right. Know, obviously. And, you know, as, as black women, the other thing that's important about this is none of these women that we're naming did anything that can't be done by any other black woman. Any other black woman. What they did is they decided that they wanted to learn more. Right. They decided that they wanted to teach other people, mainly their kids, so that they can obviously have more. You know, somebody asked me one time when you guys got to the age where you could beat me in basketball, which I still don't know when that was, but <laughs> they said, you know, your son can probably beat you in basketball. How do you feel about that? And I was mm-hmm. like, feel good about that. Right. The goal is for them to be better than me. Mm-hmm. It's always been that. So for black mothers, they want their kids to have more than what they've had right. or what they currently have. Right. They want more for them. They don't want them to be like them. Mm-hmm. No parent does. But I can talk from a, for, about black mothers. Black mothers obviously want their kids to do well. Mm-hmm. And they, they want the best for them. You know, and, and there is nothing about that that's going to that's gonna change. No matter what that child does. I right. can tell you now. No matter what that child does, that mother is still going to be there. You don't know how many black mothers I've seen in visiting rooms visiting their sons in prison. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Very few black fathers. Okay. But the mothers. Still but the mothers would stick by them and be in that visiting room every weekend. Because you're, all, you're always going to be my child. That's, that is that is the the black woman's perspective. You know. Now, there's some black men that still they may call their mothers and say, hey. How do I set up this doctor's appointment? How do I do this? Because the, the black woman has taken care of so much in a black man's Absolutely. life. They, they find it hard to, to adjust or live without that black woman. It drives me crazy when I have friends say that, man, my mother's driving me crazy. Now, we, I'm talking about adult males, right? My mother's driving me crazy. Every time I call her, she's talking about the next door neighbor. And I said, oh. You know what I would what I would give right now to have my mother complain about anything? Yeah. You know, my mother's been dead 20 years. Mm-hmm. I would love to sit on the phone and have her complain about everything under the sun. Right. And at the end of it, I'll say, Mama love you. You know, right. enjoy that. Then it's not gonna be here. And one day it's not gonna be here, and you're gonna miss that. So, you know, I, I employ for black men to start looking at black women different. Yeah. And what I mean by that is. Rap music. I love rap music. I love entertainment. You know, you got to draw a line somewhere. Now, I'm not saying that people shouldn't listen to it. People shouldn't like it. People shouldn't watch the video. What I'm saying is what you see is entertainment. Mm -hmm. That's not instruction guide on how to treat black women. And you can't look at it as an instruction guide. Mm -hmm. And if your parents aren't telling you that, then I'm going to tell you that. Okay. Don't look at that as an instruction guide to how to treat women or even how to make money. Right. Okay. Because a part of treating women bad that makes money is called pimping. Mm-hmm. Okay. Been around for centuries. Don't be a pimp. Right. Okay. Don't make money off of degrading women. Right. Okay. Whether it's music, pimping, or just in conversation mm-hmm. or treating them differently. And if you're a supervisor, if you're a manager, don't treat the woman differently just because she's a woman. Right. Okay. Because now you're becoming the oppressor. You're doing to black women the same thing that white America did to all of us in the past. Right. So again, when you're, when you're talking about treating black women, we have to begin going back to what you said. We have to treat black women like we would treat our black mother. That's right. So a lot of people wouldn't do certain things or talk a certain way in front of their, their mom or grandmother. We have to have that same type of respect to the women 
that you come across. That's now, right. I'm not even going to put, because most people say, okay, we got to have black women be held accountable. Understand the black women that act in the way that they act sometimes is due to the disrespect of the black man. Absolutely. So we, we have to first, as men, because the last thing we're going to do is try to tell women how to behave. Absolutely. But as a black man, what I can say is that we have to we have to begin to cherish them more. Absolutely. We have to begin to love them more because they are the biggest, the biggest lovers, the biggest supporters of anybody in the world. But then it's not reciprocated. Absolutely. It's not reciprocated to them. Absolutely. You know, men always say that they love an intelligent woman. Mm-hmm. They, they, we, we say it all the time. Yeah. We love a woman that's intelligent. And, until she's trying to tell us something new. <laughs> all, all of a sudden, your intelligence is not respected. Right. You know. But, but you know, I, I, I've learned over the years, you know, I go into Walmart sometimes and I see uh, an elderly couple. And I'll see the woman putting stuff in the basket and the man just stands there. What do you think of this? Oh, I think that's lovely, dude. And she puts it in the basket and they get to the register and she puts the stuff up and, you know, rings it up and she slides the cart through and he pulls out his wallet and pays for it. Right. You know? Mutual understanding. Mm-hmm. Understanding your responsibility. We, you can call it stay in your lane. You can call it whatever you want. But it's understanding your responsibility. Mm-hmm. And the responsibility of that man is to support that woman. Even if it's something you may not really enjoy doing. Like, if you got to go to a movie to see something you don't really want to see, but your woman wants to see it, right. go see it. How many basketball games has she said what? And she don't really care about basketball. Right. Understanding your responsibility. And we are back again. This episode is brought to you by Her Protection. It's here to give you a fighting chance in dangerous and harmful situations, giving you protection, power, and peace of mind. Our self-defense keychain are stylish and loaded with a pepper spray, window breaker, taser, and more. Get protected with Her Protection. Follow on the Facebook page, her-protectionco, period. So picking up right where we left off, um, we were talking about, you know, just the leadership factor. Um, And again, we can see that from spirituality, religious um, situations as well. Mm -hmm. As when you look into the church, when you look into um, praying um, or spiritual callings or whatever, that's right, what you want to call it, um, we see women outnumber men drastically. Absolutely. Um, I actually have one here that says African-American women comprise more than 70% of the active membership of generally any African-American congregation one might attend today. Um, according to um, studies, African-American women are among the most religiously committed of um, of any type of organization that's that right. deals with um, that type of system. So again, when you look at the, the the black woman, you know, they're the first to to go to church about it, they're the first to pray about it, That's they're right. the first that you call for healing about it, they're the first people that you call because they're so connected to a supreme being. That's right. Um, whether that's through the church, whether that's through um the mosque, whether that's through um meditation, whatever the case may be, um uh natural resource, whatever the case may be. They they are the first people that that you call That's right. when it comes to that because they 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 have a solid foundation again in healing nurturing support system so they, they rely on that um, and taking care of issues right when there's issues the 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 black woman is the first one to start formulating ideas of solution mm-hmm. um, and, and you know that's that's interesting because 
there's a there was a study, a couple, one done in 2014, then again in 2016, basically just claims that the most educated group in America, black women. Mm -hmm. Black women. There's actually studies that say that women learn at a faster rate than men. Mm -hmm. Black women, especially. Mm -hmm. And it has a lot to do with what they call, uh, I think it's called episodic memory, mm -hmm. where they're able to take episodes and be able to memorize. So like if you're telling them, you know, there was 10 birds and there were eight trucks and there was uh, uh, seven buckets, mm -hmm. um, two weeks later, they can tell you exactly what those were, where men have trouble with those kind of things. So which when you talk about scripture, you talk about uh, spiritual uh, spirituality. Women can usually take the Bible verses and even if they can't repeat them verbatim, mm -hmm. they can tell you what it meant. They can tell you an interpretation of it and how to apply it in your everyday life. Right. Um, women are really good at that. And that's what studies say, uh, that they're really good at that. Also, um, their cognitive uh, functions uh, deteriorate slower than men, which is why at the elderly level, you see more elderly women taking care of their husbands because because of those type of those type of things. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that goes back to communication when you talk about the educational and how they're able to take information and draw it much faster than a man can because of course they start communicating very earlier than the men do. That's right. You know, um, they, they tell you that men started creating sounds when they're doing cars. And That's all. right. But women, you know, they would do the voiceovers when playing with Barbies. Absolutely. So communication is already at a all-time high when it comes to, to, to women. And again, this is a problem that they're facing is through the religious sectors, they have a hard time of being leaders. That's right. Because as we see in most denominations and church, they do not want women pastors. Um, they do not want women leaders. They, they don't want to follow women. But when we look at it from a different perspective, not religiously, that they are the perfect people to lead. Absolutely. Because when you look at the things that they are able to do, again, we go back to that love, that tender, that care, that nurture That's right. that they give. That is what is religiously needed more so than anything, anything else in this world right now is when is that healing factor that they can give through uh, pastoring or ministry Absolutely. or whatever the case may be. Um, but again, they, they take up so much space in the, the, the congregation I believe they should get that just due and being and be able to be in that pulpit and lead because I believe they have effective leadership qualities that men do not have. That's right. You know, but one of the things that I, I think hold hold women back in those situations is they don't necessarily fight for it mm -hmm. because they don't want to create a disturbance. Mm -hmm. They want to, they don't want to decree, they don't want to create dissension. Mm -hmm. See, once again, they're taking on that motherly role and keeping the family together, keeping everybody happy, keeping things consistent, um, not being different. Mm -hmm. So they don't necessarily always want to fight for those things. And they shouldn't have to fight. Let me, let me say that. Right. They should not have to fight. But once it's on, it's on. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody has a has a plan until they get in the mouth. Right. So once you know it's on and you're not going to get that, fight for it. Right. Fight for it because women deserve it. And you just go all the way back to education. I, I, I still I still believe this. And you heard me say this on every podcast that I think one of the equalizers in America is education. Mm -hmm. And and we're not just talking about equalizing in terms of white and black. We're also talking about in terms of male and female mm -hmm. is education. The more educated you are. Usually the better choices you have and then the better choices you're going to make. Mm -hmm. So education is huge. 
when you think about integrating the school system, people always think about Brown versus Board Education. Right. A lot of people don't even know what that is. That but was a lot of cases into one case. Absolutely. And they all involved women. women. Right. They all involved women. From Virginia to Kansas to like uh, three or four other That's states. Right. Um, there, there were many cases that were involved around that decision. That's right. Um, and women were at the forefront. Um, they actually outnumbered the, the man plaintiffs by a lot. That's right. By a lot. And I know, obviously, uh, Oliver Brown's name was on the petition because he, he was the man. But it was his wife mm -hmm. who said, no, we got to do because he was hesitant. He was like, I don't really want my daughter to go to that school. Mm -hmm. You know, if they don't want it, I don't want her to go. And the wife was like, we got to do this. She needs she needs to go to this school. She can get a better, better education. Now, just so people can understand, I, I don't want to keep going way back in history. But when you talk about um, right at the start of the Jim Crow laws, what happened is I think it was um, maybe 1896 that what they adapted is, is that um, separate but equal, separate but equal, separate but equal. So that means that the black schools was supposed to get the same level of education as the white schools. Right. So the same amount of funding, not just the education, but the buses, the schools, uh, the structure of the schools, the, the curriculum, the books, everything was supposed to be equal, which we know it wasn't. It wasn't right. So what Linda Brown's mom wanted, Linda Brown is the little girl that ended up going to the high school in Topeka, Kansas. Mm -hmm. And she was the first one to do so. And initially... All the white parents pulled their kids out of school. They're not going. And you know what? There was one teacher that said, I'll teach her. Mm -hmm. So for the first couple of weeks, she was the only student in her class. There was no other student. One little black girl was the only student this teacher had. And slowly but surely, people came around. And then you had the other three because initially there were six kids that was part of that petition. One dropped out and ended up going to a, a black school. Mm -hmm. The other three ended up being the first three black kids to go to another school in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Okay? So, but these are all girls. These are all women doing this. This is not men. These are all, all, all girls. Mm -hmm. And another little-known history fact, Mega Evers mm -hmm. was assassinated in 1963, mm -hmm. the same year he filed the lawsuit to desegregate schools. Mm -hmm. So, obviously, they did not want us to get the same level of education. So, again, I say to women, you learn faster than men. Uh, you recall information faster than men. Right. You are the most educated group in America. I say continue to do that. Right. Read, listen, learn, and then take that each one, teach one, mm -hmm. pass it on to someone else. Mm -hmm. So, uh, again, like, again, when you talk about, you know, Ford versus the brand of education, when we talk about, um, Plessy versus Ferguson. When we talk about all of these these concepts that you know women had a lot to do with. Um, again, you talked about being you know the women going in. So when you look at the girls, you know, the first people you see going into the schools are Ruby Bridges. That's right. Dorothy Counts. You're seeing the girls, the women going in doing these things. That's right. And this is why when we talk about Black history. Um, especially because you, you told me, you know, look into the women on Black History. That's Most right. of the posts that I posted on Black History Month was for women. When you look at the first African-American woman um, to graduate or to get a master's degree, I want you to think about how 
prejudice they had to do. One woman had to sit outside of the classroom. That's she right. couldn't even go in to get this education. She had to sit outside of the classroom to get this education. So when you look at black men, okay, yeah, they had to struggle to get through. But when you look at black women, their struggle was even harder because they were black and they were, That's they right. were women. So when we look at that, we have to begin to look at that they deserve the right to be able to to be in those leadership roles. And I know the churches have their bylaws that came from way back when, but a lot of bylaws have been adjusted to the time frame that we live in. That's right. And I believe that's one of the ones that has to be adjusted. Um, and I'm not again, I'm not trying to tell people what to do, but I believe women earn that respect and they earn that value to be able to do so. Um, so again, when we look at uh, black women, of course, we can go from the spiritual aspect. And one thing I want to touch on was the 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 entrepreneurship. Um, That's right. Um, we're seeing more black women are becoming entrepreneurs. Um, actually, new entrepreneurs, black women represent 40 42% right. of new entrepreneurs and new businesses opening up, opening up more than three times uh, more than anybody else. That's right. So when you look at how much they have been supporters, how much they've been the backbone for other people. Absolutely. Now they're stepping out and saying, now it's my time. That's right. If you go back to the 30s, uh, uh, mid 30s to, to early 40s, a lot of the juke joints, if you will, that were owned by what we thought were black men were not. They were really owned by black women. Right. However, there would have been nobody coming if that, white, that black woman would have been in the forefront. Mm -hmm. So they called it June's place. So June could be the, the, the center of attraction saying it's his business, but it was really Mauler's. Right. <laughs> it was really his wife's place. You know, so once again, I think over time that we have adopted black, the black culture has adopted some of the teachings of white America where we helped oppress us. Mm -hmm. And we're all guilty of it. Um, we've oppressed the black man. We've oppressed the black woman. And together, we've oppressed each other. Right. So, yeah. So when you, when you look at that, you know, um, that's going to segue into what we're talking about. Next is, of course, that black women have become entrepreneurs not only because of that, it's because of the um, the problems that they face into the workplace. That's right. Um, black families depend on black women's earnings. Over 80% of black mothers are breadwinners, yet many have caregiving responsibilities for an elderly parent, a person with a disability, or a young child which they must balance out these obligations. And um, we see our black women, they don't get the equal pay that um, that most black males get or white women get. Um, they have a lower percentage of getting promotions. Um, they have a harder time just being themselves in a worker environment. I have an article here that I want to read. Um, see if I can find it. Take the time. <laughs> um, it says your work um, your work is judged plus other intangible things a lot of women told me that they, they code switch which involves embracing the dominant culture among certain groups and switching to a more authentic self when around friends and family so what this means is whenever they go into a workplace they basically have to take on another personality until they get home. 
Because when you look at the workplace, they're so outnumbered. A black woman is so outnumbered in the workplace. That's right. That when they go in, they're surrounded by, let's just take, for instance, white co-workers, white women co-workers. Now, let's just take, for instance, um, a situation happens in the country. Let's take Trayvon Martin, for example. Mm-hmm. Let's say Tra- when, when Trayvon Martin is killed, let's say that those white co-workers have a conversation, which a lot of them did, that say, you know, maybe he deserved it. He was a thug, right? right. Sort of thing. That's right. And now this black woman who's alone and outnumbered, one to ten, can't say anything. Can't say anything. Because if she says anything, she's the angry black woman. That's right. And if she says anything, she's the odd person out and she's the problem. Man. She's the problem. That's right. So she actually has to stay quiet and then voice her frustrations when she gets home. And a lot of black women call it they have to dim their life when That's they right. work. That's right. They can't be them off their authentic self. You even think about uh, a black lady answering the phone. She almost has to change her tone of voice That's right. to sound white so the person on the phone can feel more invited to have a Absolutely. conversation with her. Because that's another topic. There's a, there was a survey that came out that, that showed that whenever um, a customer called and spoke to a woman, he was more um, belligerent. That's right. speaking to a man. Absolutely. And and one of the things they are even sending emails, if the email, the, the the signature part was a woman's name, the person responding to the email will be more belligerent. That's right. Than if there were and and sometimes condescending. Right. That's so right. Would you begin to look at just the male and female factor, and then you throw in the being African, black. That's being right. black factor. We see the problems that a lot of African women are facing in the workplace. Um and that article was written by uh, Maura Cheeks out of um, for the Harvard Business Review, and it says a lot of women's surveys said that they have to work person, they have to have a work personality, and then be themselves when they get home. Black women are encouraged to dim their light. Um, think about work conversations and high-paying company and conversations that they they can't speak their mind. Um, so that's one of the problems is being able to. To be your authentic self. The second problem is um, a lot of black educated women can't find high corporate paying jobs. That's right. So it says, um, I have another article here about written this by, um, I can't remember what her name is, but she talks about Morgan Jennings, an Ivy League graduate student, said, After I graduated college, that year was probably the worst year of my life. I felt like giving up writing every single day. I couldn't have potential or be good. Good is for the white woman. I had to be extraordinary and it almost destroyed me. I never want another person of color to go through what I went through. I thought my light was dimming all the time. I felt worthless in so many ways. So you take a black woman who goes to college, beats the odds, creates her independence, becomes intellectual, um, probably disrespected by black men for being intellectual, and then have to try to find a job, pay back those student loans, That's try right. to raise a child, whatever the case may be. You look at the odds that they have to face against once they step into a workplace That's and right. then odds uh, they have to face when they step at home. You, you do all of that. And as Jay-Z said in his song, still in work. Yeah. <laughs> still yeah. in work. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you do all of that and you still view it a different way. Also, with, with that, you, you also have the fact that these women, like you said, they can't be their authentic self. Mm-hmm. So you have things that come about in these conversations in the corporate world pertaining to black women, women and their heritage, where they start talking about how they wear their hair. And, and this is huge. Okay. So you have women who like to wear 
what we call the natural look, mm-hmm. you know, afro, whatever it is, where it's unpermed. It's not, you know, in certain cases, it may not be curly. Mm-hmm. It may not be any of those things that white America says should be acceptable for a black person in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. And we, black people, have relegated to that for so many years that we've we've agreed to that. Mm-hmm. We've, we've agreed to that in a certain sense. I've had so many people tell me, because I, I work in corporate America, mm-hmm. and I have people say, they let you work with a beard? <laughs> we mean let. What right. is this? What is this, 1912? Right. <laughs> we mean let me work with a beard. Because for so long, it wasn't accepted for men to have facial hair. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants, wants you to be clean shaven. That's considered the business look, right. is when you're clean shaven. So black women have it harder than that mm-hmm. because the natural hair. So what a woman does is says, okay, I'll go get braids. Whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's not acceptable. Uh, dreadlocks, not acceptable. Right. You know, so all the, but you don't have them going to white women saying that, you know, you can't do this or you can't do that. Right. It's always something referring to the black woman and what she should be doing or should not be doing or what she be wearing, should be wearing or shouldn't be wearing. And anytime she says anything egregious, mm-hmm. they say she's an angry black woman. Right. So when you when you and again when you begin to look at that, um, that's being too black. When you wear the dreads, when you wear the dreadlocks, when you wear the braids, that's considered being too black for right. corporate America. And I face that. Um, people who start off working at the job say they let you wear your hair like that, like that long. Yeah. Yeah. Like let and now now, but again, I I do understand that they're not gonna let me just let it grow wild out because right. I understand for them. That's too black. That's right. That's, that, that's too black for, you know, um, and I have a, a, a chart here that shows the, the pay scale. Um, this is actually from 2017. Um, and this actually was published in 2020. So it may have changed a little bit since then. But white men earn an average of $52,000 a year. White women, 41000 Black men thirty nine thousand, black women thirty five thousand. Yes. So you already you see on just the pay scale at how different that is, and who's at the bottom of the pay scale from um, all that they offer to the world. Um, so again, when we look at the work side, we look at the family side. We we already see the the lines being drawn um, for African American women. But uh, hold that down. We're going to take a, a brief break and then we're going to come back and wrap this up. And we are back. Um, again, this episode is sponsored by Her Protection. Uh, to give you a fighting chance in a danger or harmful situation, it's giving you protection, power, peace of mind. Our self defense keychains are stylish, loaded with pepper spray, window breaker, taser, and more. Uh, get protected with her protection. Follow on Facebook page, her hyphen protection co dot. So again, picking up where we left off, we want to talk about. Um, again, we, we went through this whole spiel about you know who women are, the disrespect that women face, um, and the last thing I wanted to make known is the sacrifices that women make. That's right. Um, I remember you told me a story. I want you to tell it on this podcast about something that you didn't know about grandma um, growing up that um, about the her eating half a sandwich. Uh, can, you, 
Talk about that. Yeah, my, my, my mom would go, we would go to McDonald's. And for people that know me, that's my favorite restaurant, so mm-hmm. don't judge. But um, we would go to McDonald's and we would get food and she would always eat half of her sandwich mm-hmm. and, and then put it in the microwave. And of course, me being greedy would always say, well, are you going to eat that? She would say, no. She loved to see us eat. She, I remember when you guys were kids, it thrilled her to just watch you guys eat. Right. And that's part of that mothering nature that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for, for a long time, my mother did things that we didn't understand, mm-hmm. you know, and it wasn't until we became adults that we really understood the, the nature of my mom and the things that she was doing and instilling in us. I, I kind of wish we would have listened early in life. Um, but we're listening now, mm-hmm. which is why we're doing things like this, which is why um, her grandkids turned out the way that they turned out. She would be so proud of you and, and Shaquan and, and, and Cameron. Um, so, you know, obviously that that woman created this thing. Mm-hmm. She started this thing going. Right. So, you know, when you look at that, you know, of course, um, my mother, you know, she she dropped out of high school to, you know, as she was pregnant. And her thing was she always wanted us to, again, like you talked about, be better than her, get the education that she couldn't. And she was fine with that. Mm -hmm. She was 100% fine with that. And that is the sacrifice that most Black women make um, on a daily basis when you talk about Black women. So most people like to bring up teen pregnancy when it comes to a Black woman. And you don't understand, you may look down upon that, but we've seen so many strong black women come from teen pregnancy. Now, I'm not championing it, uh, but uh, what I am saying is you can't degrade a, a, a female that gets pregnant at 16 and hold her, and hold it down. I, I, yeah, absolutely. One of the things my mom told me, told all of us, I have two brothers, is that if and when you do get a girl pregnant, the last thing I want to hear come out of your mouth is, is she sure it's mine? Right. Because <laughs> nobody's going to put it on you. You ain't nothing. You ain't got nothing. Right. So nobody's going to lie and say something. A child is yours. The other thing she taught us is, is that it is a blessing to have a child. Mm-hmm. No, now, we're not talking about rape. We're not talking about that. We're talking about when somebody makes the decision mm-hmm. to have unprotected sex. Right. We're not talking about rape. because That's completely different. Mm-hmm. So... So, so when you talk about, you know, because again, a man has a choice to say, I ain't taking care of. Absolutely. You know, that, that is, that is the freedom that a man has given, unrightfully so. That's right. But he's given that freedom, especially if you're 16, 17 year olds. Most of the parents will tell you, go get a DNA test. That probably ain't yours. You, you messing up your life. That's right. That woman, that little girl, 16 year old, young woman that's having that baby. I don't think most most 16, 17 year olds aren't even thinking about giving up that baby. They're not thinking about it. And then the sacrifices, this is this is important. That's a key point you just brought up. The minute the girl finds out she's pregnant, mm-hmm. her life changes. Mm-hmm. For the man, it may never change. Never change. It right. may never change. Because he may decide he doesn't want to be a dad. It may never change for him. Right. But the minute that the female finds out she's pregnant, her life changes. The sacrifice starts there. Right. Now, I, I will commend some people. There are a lot of single fathers out here who have custody of the kid. Um, champion y'all as well, but I got to champion my sisters first because, again, um, I, re- I did read a meme that said, you know, a woman most likely never gets the opportunity to say, you know what, I don't feel like dealing with these kids. You know, they, 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 they have 
they have to be around 24-7. Um, so when we see the black woman, we see the person that is um, giving up their dreams. They give up their dreams and goals for their kids. That's right. They give up their dreams and goals for the man that they marry. That's right. You know, most of the time you see the, the woman give up and she followed a man. Um, mm -hmm. We see that uh, the black woman gives the world to, to, to people. And I believe it's it's not reciprocated. Absolutely. Um, we see black women raise black men. Um, we see black women still currently raising black men that are grown, old, grown, That's right. and, and taking advantage of it. That's and, right. And they're never telling them to get out because that goes back to that tender loving care that they have. Um, we see black women stick by men in prison, do their right. rights and do their wrongs. They believe that they change, they can believe that they'll 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 follow. They're a black woman will find the lowest man on the totem pole and she'll she'll try to fix she'll, them up. She'll try to bring them up. She, she'll do whatever it, it takes. So it's fair to say, would you say that uh the 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 black woman is also not just the most educated group, but the strongest group? One hundred percent. When you look again, when you look at history, of course the African American has been through most in the history, but when you look at African-American women and what they went through in history, they have to be the strong. That's right. They have to be the, 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 the survival. Um, again, not going to, not trying to go too much into it, but when you look at the, the rapid way and they had to reproduce during enslavement. That's right. Um, you look at what they had to deal with in enslavement. And um, then how did they, they talk a little bit about how they protected their kids in slavery and how that translates into what you see some parents even doing today. All right, so one of the things when you look at the enslavement of, of the black child, growing up in slavery, and you see it in the movies that the 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 kids are are kind of disregarded at first. You know, they a lot of black kids don't even see themselves as black until you know somebody tells them. That's right. So they're running around with the white kids and they're, they're having fun. And the black woman started teaching the black child early, you know, how to conduct themselves and and what and what not to do. And then when the, the the white mistress of the house began to come to the black woman and say, you know, oh, he's getting tall, he's getting stronger, he's getting he's getting uh, bigger, um, and, and what that means, one or two things: we're either gonna put him out on the field to work now, we're gonna or bring him down. we're gonna bring him down, or sell him, or sell him, because uh, that that was the highest commodity was a. A female that can reproduce and a male that can be strong enough to reproduce. That's right. So when you look at that, a black woman seeing that um, her kids were constantly torn from her. If she didn't act right, the kids were sold away. That's right. If, if something happened, the kids were being threatened to be sold away from her. So when you look at today, um, one of our powerful sisters said this, and she said, when you go into a, an assembly or a parent-teacher conference or um, a, a play and you see a the people champion the black kid and say, oh, he's such a good kid. He's growing up. He's smart. All of this. You must be very proud. And the black woman is sometimes, you know, brush it off and say, oh, he's hard-headed. You take him off my hands or whatever the case may be, whatever the downplay it. But then behind closed doors, she'll go to that child and say, I'm so proud of you. You're amazing. But she can't do that publicly because if you champion the black kid publicly and you put him on a pedestal, um, America finds a way to to bring him down. Find a way to, to bring him to, down to, or to exploit him. him. Or exploit him. Right. Yep. So when we see that, 
um, the black woman is very, very careful what she exposed and uh, what she exposes her child to. And I even champion the black women that that still rip and run around man to man. A lot of times they want to bring that man around their child. They'll, like, they'll do whatever they good, do whatever they want you to do behind closed doors. We'll do this. We'll hang out. Whatever. But I ain't ready to bring around my child because right. I understand that the importance of the influences he needs to be around. The and images I, he needs to see. Right. So, And I also read a, um, there was a status that was put up the other day. I didn't comment on it because uh, I wanted to say it for this was, it said, can a woman raise a child to be a man? And I said, absolutely. Because she may not be able to give him everything that he needs as a man, as far as her telling him personally. Right. But she would do whatever it takes to put him around the, the uncles, the cousins, the depositor, real, the male role models that she can to That's make right. sure he has everything he needs to, to succeed. That's right. And I've seen a lot of black men grow up to be great that was raised by single black mothers. That's right. They they are responsible for creating that support system. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily have to do it themselves, mm -hmm. but they have to create the support system to to so that you can learn those things as a man. Right. And you know, there's a lot of black women that were able to do that and did it well. Right. And did it well. Right. You know, the, the other thing for, for black women is when we talk about how, uh, when we talk about history and how it plays a role in the psyche of, of Afro-Americans, mm -hmm. um, one of the things that became huge, and I don't want to dwell on this, but I think it's important to understand some of the psychological damage that has been done to black women and the sacrifices that they've made is that slave trade was huge. Mm -hmm. However, because such a strong, a large percentage of slaves would die in transportation. Guess what became even bigger than slave trade? Slave breeding. So breeding became part of the black woman's culture mm -hmm. is, is, is having kids. And, and, and I'm putting an S on the end because statistics say that the, the average fee, black female has a minimum of two children mm -hmm. in the United States. So Black women, not only just being the mothers of, of civilization, as we talked about before, but also feeling like that that's their contribution to the world. Right. And in some cases, maybe they believe that's their only contribution mm -hmm. to the world. We're here to tell you that that's not. That's not, that's not your only contribution to the world. It, it is not. You can be more than just a mother. You can be more than just a person who takes care of kids and put them on the straight and narrow to become great. Mm -hmm. You're already great. But you can be even greater. You can be more impactful and influential in your communities. Mm -hmm. You can earn that equal pay. And we're not just talking about on local, on local levels. You're hearing Don Staley, coach of South Carolina yes, Gamecocks absolutely. right now, talking about that. For those that love tennis like I do, Serena and Venus. Serena is almost 40, mm -hmm. and they're still talking about the fact that there's unequal pay on the circuit. Mm -hmm. and, and I'll be honest with you, most people want to see Serena play. Yet they're not making the money that the men win. Right. In fact, on any given Sunday, Serena could probably beat most men in tennis. At the professional level, I'm not just talking about Lord Eric down the street. Yeah. I'm talking about on a professional level. You know, so what what when what we want women to understand is you have value. Mm -hmm. We want you to one believe it. Believe it. Mm -hmm. And accept the responsibility that comes with that and and live up to that value that you have. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I think it's I think what we're doing here is is trying to as you said before we're, we're not we're not saying we're right mm -hmm. we we don't want to be right what we want to do is we want to spark 
We want the ears to go up, the right. antennas to go up. Yeah. We want you to think. We want you to 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 say, hey, who am I? Mm-hmm. What's my value? Mm-hmm. What's my? We always talk about what's my purpose. And people usually say their purpose is whatever they're doing. Right. No. How do you know that that's your purpose? Uh-huh. Have you really dove into the things that you're good at, mm-hmm. the things that you would like to do that you may not have gotten the opportunity to do? Mm-hmm. You know, I tell people all the time, I played the clarinet in school. You know, I, I loved it. I kind of wish that I would have continued to play instruments rather than play sports. Because mm-hmm. right now I probably couldn't shoot a basketball. But I would love to be able to sit down on the piano and play. So for women, I say channel that energy to find out what is it that you would like to do? Mm-hmm. Where's your value other than the situations you're currently in and saying, this is my life? Because it doesn't have to be that way. Right. Um, and the, the the last thing I want to touch on is um, one thing we like to call black women is the, the superwoman. And what being a superwoman does for the men who don't understand this, it doesn't give them an opportunity to be vulnerable. That's right. So we put a lot on our black women because we say she can handle it. That's right. Because when we look at history, we know she can handle That's it. That's right. We know she, we know through all the abuse and rape and all of this other things, we know what she, what she can tolerate. Doesn't mean she should have to. That's part of the abuse. Right. So it doesn't, and, and I have an article here that I want to read. Um, and it says the stereotype of the strong black woman is more than just a cultural trope. Many black women in America report feeling pressured to act like superwoman, projecting themselves as strong, self-sacrificing, free of emotion to cope with the stress of race, gender-based discrimination in their daily lives. Now, many, myself included, wear the badge of the strong black woman with honor, and we are proud of our tenacious, t- tenaciousness and never let the world see us crack. But we are suffering silently with the mental and physical health consequences of carrying the burden of family, work, and community responsibilities, compounded by personal experience of trauma and loss, all in an environment of racial and gender gender discrimination. Black women are more likely than white women to have experienced post-traumatic stress disorder resulting from childhood maltreatment and sexual and physical violence. They are more likely to have stress related to family, employment, finances, um, discrimination or racism, and safety concerns associated with living in high crime neighborhoods. Black women are more likely to be depressed when they are there. Symptoms are more severe, last longer, and more likely to interfere with their inability to function at work, school, and home. Black women are more likely to have feelings of sadness, hopelessness, and worthlessness. And this article was written by Inger E. Burnett. Ziegler is an assistant uh, professor of psychiatry and behavioral science at Northwestern University um, School of Medicine. So when we begin to look at the black woman, we already see that she's placed on her to be strong. That's right. That she can take whatever comes her way. And it is a disservice and it is dang near, um, um, what can I say? It is unappreciative mm-hmm. or to no concern of how she may feel. That's right. Because we feel like she should be able to handle it. And that's unfair. It's taken her for granted. Right. 
And we see that constantly throughout, throughout what's going on in the world that she is taken for granted at home, at work, in the community, mm -hmm. in the church, because people say that she should be able to handle it. That's right. And we come to expect it. Right. And then they get ridiculed when they can't right. live up to the standard. The, the, the standard that they placed on themselves, but black men allowed them to place it on themselves. Mm -hmm. To the point that in a lot of situations, the men aren't able to really be men in certain situations because the woman is so strong. Mm -hmm. She's become so dominant in that, in that relationship. So which is why you see sometimes relationships don't work because the woman has become so, she's became so strong mm -hmm. that it's hard for her to one, trust mm -hmm. and to allow that man to be a man. Mm -hmm. And it makes the relationship even more difficult. But I, I still fault black men for, for, for putting that pressure on them mm -hmm. without going to them and say, hey, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to not be as strong. That balance, you look at households when they say that most kids who have a mother and a father at home, those kids are usually going to be better off mm -hmm. because they have that balance. Mm -hmm. You have to have a balance at home, but also as an individual. So as that mother being strong and being, as you called it, superwoman, she has to have another side. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, society won't let her. Right. Otherwise, she's in fear of losing her kids to some form of, of, of tragedy, right? Um, whether it be prison or jail or whatever, mm -hmm. um, or ending up living with her, you know, through the age of 40. But either way, they look at that as something as saying, hey, if I would have been a little bit tougher, a little bit stronger, a little bit more of a superwoman, that wouldn't have happened. Right. So um, in closing arguments, um, I just like to say that, you know, to the black women out there, you know, we appreciate you. Um, the black woman has become the protector of black men, um, as we see from the deaths that are happening, um, as we see from um, being shot down in the streets. You know, you see videos where the police may put a gun on a black man and the black woman jumps in front of him and say, no, don't do this. Um, we see this happen all the time. And um, if nobody else tells you, you know, we appreciate you. Um, we understand. We we can't fathom to understand. Let's just put That's it right. I'll we can't. We can't. I can't fathom to understand, you know, how you guys feel, how you're how you cope with how you feel. Um, but I can say that you are more than what the media portrays you to be. And we know they'll they'll talk about um Cardi and Nick and Meg the Stallion what they did, but they won't talk about you know, the black women that are going to college. They won't talk about, you know, the, the black politicians that are and the black activists, the black educators, black entrepreneurs. So we know that when they put Meg and Cardi up, they want to create that image that this is the way all black women are. But we know for for a fact by looking at our mothers, by looking at our grandmothers, by looking at our aunts, by looking at our cousins, by looking at our black teachers, by looking at um uh, black vice president, right? By by looking at these people, we we get it. We 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 know your importance, and then this episode is to try to help more people get it. Um, and we we might we 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 can't claim to understand because we're not women, right? But what we are doing is saying we're listening. 
Mm-hmm. And if you 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 want to talk, and that 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 what I ask you guys to go and search for mom uh, and listen to the essay. Um, she talks about Lisa Cross Smith, um, and Lisa spelled L E S S A. Just Google it, and if you can get the version where somebody's actually reading it, to where you can listen to the impactful words and feel it, she understands. Mm-hmm. She understands what it is to be a black woman in America, and uh, help us understand by talking. Mm-hmm. You know, chime in on this on this podcast. Let us comment. Let us know what you go through. Um, there's no shame in being honest. Mm-hmm. The name of the podcast is unapologetic. Okay. There's no shame. There's no shame in talking about things that bother you, things that concern you, things that may have, uh, stopped you from doing some things that you really wanted to do in life. Right. And, um, also understand, don't be afraid to tell people, you know, why? Um, because as a black man, I'm still learning. That's right. There, there are some things that my wife tell me that I didn't know was degrading or hurtful. And I'm learning how to treat black women still today. That's right. Um, and you have to demand their respect because you deserve it. That's right. Absolutely. All right. So thank y'all for tuning in. We love you guys. Um, appreciate y'all for uh, tuning in and rocking with us. And again, if you come across this on YouTube, subscribe and comment. Come across this on Facebook, comment, and tell us what you think and what your perspective is, because we're doing this to not be right, but we're doing this to to spark thought. That's right. Love y'all.